Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode number 141 of the Picos Riley podcast. I am, as always, one of your hosts, M. Olson, and joining me, we have my co-host, Anomaly. Hello. And uh, this week, we're playing catch-up because we skipped last week because last week was Christmas. Uh, Last week was also the end of the race to world first. Um, Congrats to Echo. Spoilers. Uh, Congrats to Echo for taking it again. Um, And also, we got a big, like, announcement about the patch patches that we're going to get over the next year um, that we're going to be talking about. But, of course... Before all of that, uh, actually, should we talk about race world first before we talk about our progression? I think so. I think we can we can sort of dive yeah. into maybe race, then we can talk about our progression stuff from there. So, so um, when last we spoke, they were just starting to. I, I feel like they were just starting. Or no, okay. So they had like they were wrapping up Brunekeeper Diurna. Like I yeah. think Diurna died like two hours after the last podcast. Yeah. Um, and so then we started seeing uh, Mythic Rajagath. And, uh, well, that took until Friday. Um, yeah. And the, the story of the race is basically that the only reason it died on Friday is because of a nerf that was heavier handed than they expected to the enraged timer in the final phase of Razagath. Yeah. Um, so the Razageth fight as a whole, for those that weren't keeping too close an eye on the world first race, was kind of a series of one of the guilds hits a wall, the wall gets nerfed, the other guild hits a wall, the wall gets nerfed. And that just happened over and over again. Um, they had the, the f- intermission one ads got nerfed they by like 50%. 50% HP, which is... A massive amount. <laughs> yeah, that's a like, huge miss in tuning. I, f- I forget who it was. I think it was it was either I forget it was Echo or Liquid, but one of them for one of their attempts sent nineteen people to one side right. with heroism and couldn't kill yeah. the first ad. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> something like yeah. something ridiculous like that. So and and that's the kind of thing that you you literally cannot outgear. Yeah. Um, th- that wasn't a, oh, we need another reset of gear and then we'll come back and we'll be fine. It was, this is not possible. Yeah. Like actually, actually mathematically impossible. Uh, but then like Storm Surge, I think, got nerfed as well. Something about Phase 2 got nerfed. Um, yeah. Which Storm Surge is the shield that you have to break. And if you don't break it in time, it explodes and it wipes the rate. The shield got a nerf in its, I think it's in its amount. Um, basically the way that it worked and like, I think Max is a pretty good job of like explaining this is like, so like what you were explaining is like each time one of the guilds got to like the next part of the phase, Blizzard nerfed it, but it wasn't a like minor nerf. It was like 50% for the yeah. ads. I think the shield actually got a like 25 to 50% nerf, like the, I, the storm I think it was shield. percent but yeah. So it's a, a fairly substantial amount. And then, you know, in, in phase three, even the, I think even the, the intermission two ads were nerfed slightly. Um, yeah, I missed that entire piece of progression though. So, yeah, I, and I'm, then uh, I I got to catch most of Liquid's progression through that, and then yeah, and then Phase Three was was sort of nerfed on Friday pretty heavily. I think they added something like forty five seconds to the Enrage, which is basically they just made the 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 platform the, the 
the way the phase three is, there's like this storm around the outside of the platform that slowly constricts into the middle. It basically gave it more time. It's they slowed that down. Yeah, they slowed so that down. down I lot. think they slowed they slowed tornado spawns down too. There are tornadoes oh, that also they? go towards the boss. You have to soak because if they hit the boss, the boss heals. Um, so yeah, it was they also slowed that down. That's pretty big. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, they the entire like I well, I mean, the way that this ends, a bunch of hot bunch of nerfs, but then literally. 15 minutes after that phase three set of hot fixes goes in echo kills it on their first pull into phase three yeah and so like they had already been raiding all day they had a couple of like sub 10 percent wipes previous to that but um i think of three percent was like the lowest they had gotten it um but yeah then they hit sort of a a really good pull and and ended up killing it right after the nerfs which i think is the biggest contention of this whole race is yeah. the time is the timing so um for people who don't know like like uh, it's basically liquid and echo that are sort of the top two guilds right and they they raid at different timings so like essentially nowadays as echo is sort of ending their day liquid is starting their day um uh, liquid basically pushed their start times back this raid for the first time to align to maintenance basically they they yeah. freeze they would start earlier in the day the problem is with tuesday maintenance they've sat around for two or three hours they basically said i will just start at 11 pacific Every day raid wise, I can go to like one o'clock Pacific time. So, it was right. A so, really it's not like day. they're sleeping Sorry. in. They're operating basically on a different time zone than the one they're actually like living in for the duration of yeah. the race. Well, no, they were they were in they were in California this year. Right. I'm saying. This <clears throat> I'm saying it's like they were two hours further. Yeah. Exactly. To the, to the, yeah. To the west than that. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, so they did. They basically did all that, and these nerfs basically hit at I think eleven Eastern or sorry, eleven right. Pacific time, um, the, right as the, they were getting in. The problem. So they let the guilds know somewhat in advance. It was not very much, like yeah, a couple hours. It, I think they said yeah, not very much. Maybe enough time that if they had rushed everybody in, they could have got it. But they didn't tell them when it was happening. They only told them that it was happening. Right. So I don't know if there is no like, you know, no pressure, no rush on the liquid side to be like, yo, we have to get in so that we're ready for this hotfix because they don't know if the hotfix is going to be at the regular time that yeah. they start raiding or if it's going to be, you know, two or three hours after they start raiding and they don't want to like screw everybody's, you know, sleep up over uh, a hotfix that they didn't actually need to rush for. Then exactly. it turns out that they did because it got applied right around the time, like 15 minutes before or no, it was right around the time they would normally start reading. Yeah. And it's just well, that no, Echo was already going. Exactly. They, they already a couple of deep pulls. They were already sort of warmed up. So, yeah, I mean, it's I think that's sort of the I think the biggest thing you'll that people will talk about is like the timing of it. But there I think to to like Max's point. Because uh, I listened to his sort of recap of all this, it's like there there was yeah. never a good time to apply this hotfix. It's yeah. like they apply it later in the day. It's at the end of Echo's day. They're probably tired. They're fatigued. Like, can they even yeah. continue to like make use of it? And then Liquid gets, you know, they're still fresh. They get it the entire time. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I think I think the other thing too is like, it's not the fact that the nerfs hit. It's just like to lose the race that way was sort of what they were most upset about. Which is like, yeah, basically lose it on yeah. a timing thing, right? Like, yeah. He still said, like, he still mentions, like, Echo still played well. I think Echo still probably played, you know, better, um, as always. Like, I think they're the execution for the kings and queens of, like, you know, they they lock it in, they get a strat, and they will nail it every time. Like, they'll be perfect, yeah. you know? 
Um, and they hit that with their with their kill attempts. It just so happened that the nerfs hit right before that, and you know gave them plenty of time to kill the boss. So yeah, um, I like the only the only fair time to apply a nerf like that is before the boss actually gets pulled by either team. Yeah, like that's that's the only fair time to do it, and I think that really applies to a lot of the nerfs that we saw. Like we saw nerfs to Karog, um, to his damage check on the intermission ads. We saw nerfs to Dethea on her overall health. We saw nerfs to... And an extra um, ad, actually. And an extra Dethea, ad. Dethea got an extra ad, too. Did she? Yeah. Wait. They got a, she got a fifth ad. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. And then uh, I feel like there was also... Actually, no, Diurna was perfect. There were no changes to Diurna, and they just, like, killed it. Which was, like, which, I that, that was the very weirdest funny. thing. Because, like, yeah, the two fights beforehand needed fairly substantial nerfs. Razigoth behind it needed fairly substantial nerfs. But Diurna, perfect fight. Like, tuning-wise, yeah. beautiful. <laughs> uh, and, I mean, actually, some of it is the Blood Decay tech on Diurna. Um, which, if you don't know about it, in Phase three, uh, phase 2 of Mythic Diurna, there is a new tank mechanic. And it's basically that when she does uh, Mortal Stone Claws on the tank, they get a bomb. And that bomb does split damage, so you have to, like, in theory, like, in the designer's head, right? In theory, you have to soak it. Split mm -hmm. it with people, or your tank just dies. And you're not going to have enough B-reses to just have your tank die and res them over and over again. Um, but Blood Decay has AMZ. <laughs> or sorry, not AMZ, AMS. AMS, yeah. Um, and... I'm trying to remember. So I believe the DK one actually prevents you getting the explosion at all. If you pre AMS it, you don't get the debuff that explodes. Gotcha. And you can do that on every other one. So it cuts the number of soaks that you have to do in half. And that actually might be why Diurna didn't need nerfs is yeah. because they had a blood DK come in and just like remove half of that mechanic. And if, I don't think they could have gone double blood decay for other mm -hmm. reasons, but you know, maybe they could have and double blood decay means you literally delete the mechanic. There is that mechanic doesn't exist in phase three. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't realize that. I mean, always, always some AMS shenanigans with blood decay, but uh, yeah, but that's funny. Yeah. But yeah. I mean that, that yeah, tuning wise, I think the raid in general was, most people like by the time we get there, we'll say probably fine fight, right? But I think from from a world first perspective, I think they'll say like very, not very good. <laughs> yeah, not very good. I uh, I think that they will nerf phase one of Razageth fairly substantially, specifically the hurricane wins. Um, the wins, yeah, because of how toxic they are for your raid comp. Um, it's not like you have a very limited number of spots that you can dedicate right now to people that cannot deal with the wins on their own you yeah. basically have to have like one evoker per person that cannot handle the wins on their own right which for and you can't out gear that it's, just, it's you, just the pushback cam yeah unless you could somehow reach the point that you are able to push the boss before the second hurricane wins and just have everybody like gateway the first one you you just can't outgear that check so it's not like a, a, a you know a late tier guilds are just gonna like push 
fast and it'll be fine. No, they actually need to like do something there to make it so that, you know, if you reach it with three priests and two evokers, you aren't forced to bench a priest because they literally cannot survive phase one. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. No, yeah, that that's, I think you're right. Is that that'll be the first part that they, they should look at nerfing or would nerf, right. Is the, is the wins. Cause yeah, that's what, I mean, yeah, that's what they, that's what they were doing with the, uh, at least when I was watching liquid, their, their priest and paladin, their healer. So they, they had a, they had a priest, a disc and a, and a holy paladin, like the two healing invokers would save them for like yeah. alternating wins basically when they didn't have anything to actually make it through, which I thought was just hilarious. Um, yeah. It's and like that tech though. I mean, I guess there, there are a couple of other options. Like you can race change to void elf and use the void elf racial to uh, deal with every third set of wins or something. Mm-hmm. And then there's the gust potions that you can use on the early sets. So maybe it's something where they just like intend. Uh, it may be that they actually intended even for the world first race to only go to like four wins not six because they grow in intensity over time the later ones last longer so -hmm. you have to like things that work on the first couple of sets like the gust potion that is basically a goblin junk goblin jump in a bottle Mm -hmm. um don't work to deal with win number six exactly yeah um and that's maybe something that is another tuning miss and honestly like yeah, they that that is one thing that I am really, really not looking forward to reaching unless they hit it in some way. Because it's just gonna like we're gonna have like one comp that we can run. Yeah. And the other people, it's not even like we'll be able to bring in just the best players. We're gonna be forced by their class to bench them. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And what I mean, we'll we'll I guess we'll see what they actually end up changing. I think the other thing too about this fight, I think this ends up being a good fight in the grand scheme of things. Like, I think it, while it doesn't have a floor drop, you do change elevations. So by that metric should be a good fight. But no, I think by the time, like once they go through maybe the next round of like, you know, sub world hundred world one fifty type nerfs that they typically do. um, I think, I think it ends up being a fairly well, well balanced and, and good fight. All right, so um, here, here's my prediction. I think we get a phase one nerf in the next two weeks now that Blizzard is back in office after the holidays. Yeah, I would say that's probably appropriate, yeah. Yeah, I would say, yeah, I, I, I'd, be, I'd, I'd agree with that, yeah, next two weeks. See, at, least a, at least a nerf to phase one. I think the rest of the phases are probably fine. Yeah, I don't think they touch um, anything else until after, like, the Hall of Fame stuff. Um, yeah. Which is fairly typical. I think they yeah. touch phase one just because, like, past the top ten, comps are going to be destroyed by this boss. Just exactly. entirely do the phase one. Yeah, yeah, no, I would agree. I would agree. But um, but no, I mean, it it seemed like I mean, ultimately, from what I what I watched, it seemed like a really good fight. Um, like it a is a very of... fun fight on heroic. Like, yeah, this is significantly better than the jailer or Sylvanas. Yes. Yeah, I mean it's not it's not the Nathrius. Let's like let's not get crazy. Yeah. yeah. But uh, but no, I would agree. I mean, I would agree. Um, we finally killed it on heroic. Uh, I guess the week before Christmas. Yeah. Um, and Same. so yeah, that was uh, that was a that was good. Um, we almost good didn't. Kill. 
because I had internet issues. Oh no. In the middle of raid. Oh no. Which is just awful. Like that fight is not friendly at all. There are some fights you can like have a little bit of packet loss and be okay. Yeah. This is not one of them. If you get packet loss when wins are happening, you're you're screwed. You're done. Yeah. You're off the edge. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, yeah. I guess maybe maybe we can yeah, we'll maybe talk a little bit about progression so far. Um, we can shift that way a little bit. Yeah, that yeah. section next. Um, no, yeah. So yeah, so we we killed it. I think we killed it twenty man on like a Monday. Since so like we just always do flex content like until it's dead. So like if we have enough people to show up, we will. So yeah, the the the, the Monday before Christmas, we killed it for the first time. Um, with like we had twenty people on, and uh, and yeah, it's um, it's a it's a fun fight. I, I will tell you, the phase two healing is unfun. Um, <laughs> primarily because it's a, it's a lot of movement and like there, there's not strict positioning requirements, but there is like yeah. awareness of your character requirements, right. In phase yeah. two. Um, and so I'll tell you, that's sort of the one phase that. Did you like, guys use the in out strat for storm surge? What do you mean in out strat? All right. So there's two different ways I've seen people do storm surge. Um, mm -hmm. one is in out where your negatives go in. And your positives stay uh, out on the outside ring and like find friends. Um, mm -hmm. And then the other one is the left, right, where your negatives go left and your positives go right. And the in out gives you a lot more actual uptime because it's way easier for people to like, you have more space if you do that, basically. Mm -hmm. So your, your negatives go in and they're just immediately out of the way and your positives can just circle the ring and, and find people to stand with. Yeah. So we do, we do in out. Yeah. With negatives yeah. underneath. And then we have two, I think we have two. We have two stack points for positives and you just pick we do two. Yeah. Yeah. Whichever one you want to do. Yeah. So yeah, we do the in out for that, which is, which is fine. I've actually, so I'm sort of a little bit of a cheater in that I stand like directly in front of one of the positive stoke points, but between it and the center. So I just have to move yeah. forward or backwards um, depending on like what, what color I get. And typically I'm not in the way of anyone. Um, but yeah, no, we do. We did that. Um, yeah. But progression for us, we the only really tough part healing wise was the was in phase two there's a really terrible overlap of it's like it's like the um the the things you have to interrupt drop into yeah. push winds yeah into a second push or you're saying yeah into storm surge or something or it's out of storm surge into that it's some weird yeah. combination of like lots of movement and like that was a little bit of we'd always lose one or two people there so that sort yeah. of slowed us down um but no other than that it's um yeah i mean I, it's yeah it's fine there i wish the only thing other than that healing wise the only visual issue i had was the breath in the the second intermission because it's not very apparent where it's going to hit so in i guess in in the second intermission it'll it'll identify it'll target the the boss will target one player a player and sort of breathe across the platform but it's basically from where the boss starts to where that player is and it's not always directly in the middle so it's not like from a left yeah. to right position. It could be like off center out to like only cut maybe like a portion so of the circle off. The the boss, and this happens in the first intermission as well. The boss like sucks cloudy lightning stuff off of the ground where <laughs> the breath is going to hit. The so, effect yeah. is not super clear. So it's definitely something that like I got baited once where I saw it behind me and I was like, oh, I got to go forward. But forward was actually through the breath. And like I, I tank privileged my way through it, but I also baited <laughs> two people that couldn't tank privilege their way through it because they just followed yeah. me, um, and uh, they died. They died. Yeah, yeah. No, and I'll, I'll, I guess the other thing too is I, 
is it seems like I've seen that before, but it, but at least in maybe that second intermission for me, like I expect the breath to come quicker. And I've been baited yeah. in that, like, I'm like, I see the sparklies go away. And then like, I'm like, oh, do I move or not? And like, okay, I'll try and get maybe a little bit close to heal somebody. And then I'll get like clipped right on the edge. Cause I'm like, yeah, breath should be here by now. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, um, I think that, I, I really enjoy the fight. Phase three is kind of underwhelming in that there's not a ton of damage going out, like on the raid in phase three, at least on heroic. Yeah. Um, there's also like, um, so the magnet mechanic is cool. I like that they brought that back. Uh, the yeah. Zymox tank mechanic style thing. Um, there's also that like Brewmaster and Blood DK can just delete the tank mechanic. Okay. Um, where if you fully absorb the Thunderous Blast, it does zero raid damage. Okay, gotcha. So we have a Blood DK, which is probably what was happening, yeah. Yeah. So like if they do that, like the healers just don't have anything to do half the time because that's supposed to be a bunch of the raid damage, right? Yeah. Um, you have to fully absorb it. So ignore pain doesn't work because it's only 50% absorb. Mm-hmm. Um, and none of the other specs have a big absorb that they can use for it. It's just like Brewmaster can Celestial Brew and you might need a cooldown for it. I don't really think you do if you have a fully stacked Celestial Brew on Heroic at least. Uh-huh, um, yeah. And then like, on my DK, I just hit Vamp Blood and AMS, and they're both up for every one and or for every one that I take because you alternate yeah. um, and just delete the mechanic. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'll say yeah. That was sort of the I guess maybe the the underwhelming part of the fight for me, but um, but yeah, overall it's it's a it's a fun fight. Yeah, you're right. Like the the pull in in phase three is interesting to sort of dodge the breath for like the first one from that overlap, and then. Um, the 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 plus and the minuses in phase two is cool. The interrupt adds is also cool. It's just I don't I never know when I'm supposed to do it. Like I don't know if you've had this issue, but like with our raid, we have so many people that do so much like AOE disorient stuff that like yeah. For a lot of the earlier pulls, I was like I was like okay, I got to get my ad. Like my ad is mine. But then yeah. like so I would spend time trying to click it and interrupt it, and it would be gone. So I miss time healing. So at a certain point, I was just like someone else will take care of my ad for me. I will just Where, save people. <laughs> the the way we started was very much like everybody single target CCing their ads. Mm-hmm. But the way it ended and the way we did it this week on Reclear was a lot of just like everybody is hitting all their mass AoE CCs. And then I just kind of run around and kick anything that got left behind. Makes sense. Um, Ring of Peace, by the way, monk tip. Ring of Peace is insane for this. You drop Ring of Peace and people stand in it. Like you can fit like four people in it and it just removes their thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it might also remove the second one. It depends on where it jumps. If it jumps into the ring, then it's gone. And you just did like eight kicks. If it jumps out of the ring, then you have a second kick to do. Yeah. But it's it's really good. It's really good. Yeah, ring ring is amazing on that fight for that stuff. Um, yeah, and we I mean, after the first kill, we we actually one shot it on reclare. So like we did so we've still been clearing normal and heroic. So like last week, the last two weeks, we've done normal and heroic on Tuesdays and the week before. So last, actually both weeks, we basically did full mythic, or sorry, full heroic, full normal, and like one mythic boss, basically, I think. Yeah. Um, All on Tuesday, all within one raid day. So in four hours, basically, which was like, I think really good. I think we're, I'm hoping we drop normal this week coming up and it's just a heroic thing. The the our issue now is like we are down to like 
four people who don't have four set. Um, mm-hmm. And two of those people, well, one of those people is me. Uh, another person is another healer. Uh, and I think healers don't need gear. It's fine. Yeah. Okay. Um, um yeah, catalyst like is in two, three weeks. Catalyst is in three weeks. Three it's weeks a ways there. away still. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll, I guess we'll see how we do on heroic. If we can finish off like the last, I'm just checking the sheet. I think we have like four people who need, yeah. Four people who need at least two pieces. Um, and yeah. so we're actually a little bit worse we'll off than that because of holiday stuff. We had three people that missed two weeks of raid uh, oh, for geez. Christmas plus New Year's. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then another couple people that missed the week of Christmas. And so I think we have like six people that don't have four set. Oh, wow. Um, it was really uh, on the like second week of raid. We were giving dreadful tokens to my co-tank <laughs> to just roll for tertiaries. That's hilarious. Because we got like uh, we did we killed a boss. We got three dreadful token drops. Both of our warlocks were on the holiday vacation. Oh no. And so our options for dreadful tokens are me and my co-tank. Yeah. So we just like gave him one to roll for tertiaries on. It felt really bad. Um, that sucks. But then also, like, now that people are back, we're going to be able to send them, like, everything. So they should catch up pretty quickly. Yeah. Hopefully we get somewhat lucky with venerated tokens in particular are a real bottleneck for us right now. Like, I, I feel like every raid team has, like, one token type that they just haven't gotten a lot of. And for yeah. us, it's venerated. Um, our like shamans, priest paladins, one? priests. Yeah. 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 Yeah, that's that's actually ours too. Um the the worst part is our Zenith token is like overloaded. So like mm-hmm. for us, that's like the the most let me just double check. I think that's the most players we have is on Zenith, which is just like just sucks. Ours is definitely Mystic, because Mystic is uh Druid Hunter, and that by oh, itself okay. there is pretty much like a quarter of our roster. Um <laughs> And then, did Evoker end up on Mystic? Or did uh, they end up on Zenith? Invoker Zenith. Because okay. Invoker's with Monk. Yeah. And I forget and Monk who else is Zenith. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah, so that's the... That's the biggest issue that we have right now. It's just... Uh, is, uh, is, yeah, we just don't get a lot. Like, we, we don't get a lot of... It's funny, we don't get a lot of Venerated either. But we only have four players on that token. But yeah. like we don't get enough zenith in that. Like, yeah, I'm still like me and one of the other preservation evokers is like without four set, um, which sucks because we just had someone reroll to devastation evoker and like they're gonna gobble up at least a couple slots this week. So yeah, do another week or two before I get before I get four set. Which yeah, sucks, I have four set purely because of the two warlocks being out of town. Yeah, like if they hadn't been, I would still be rocking probably two set just because we got a lot of the tokens. But, um, you know, because nobody else could use the tokens, they went to me. So nice, nice. Um, nice. But yeah, so that's heroic. How about mythic? I think we're both at the same point. We've both killed the first two, which is Aranog. Very straightforward. I think we probably both knocked that out the first week. Yeah, first week. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And then Primal Council. Like, we actually just like sent 
five polls or something into primal council the first week with yeah. like not really having a plan or healing cds or anything for it <laughs> just like and we have 20 minutes left in raid we're gonna like clear the trash to the next boss and just like send it and maybe we yolo into a kill we didn't but you yeah. know then we came back next week and we killed it in two pulls so oh nice yeah, we took a little bit. We took a little bit longer, but yeah, we bought both Council and Aranog down, and now it's pretty much I think one shots on both of them for now. Yeah. And then they pull. We pulled Terror. Is it? I don't. What's the next Terror's? Terror's. Te- yeah, yeah, Terror's next. Um, that, we we put our first pulls into the, the, that boss on Thursday this week, um, and we did not kill it. I think we had like probably three or four sub five percent wipes. I was out, so I was I was not. I didn't raid Thursday. I had uh, family stuff. Um, I was away, but, um, but no, they got it. I think a handful of sub, you know, 10% pulls didn't kill it. Um, so hopefully we get it this week with a little bit extra gear. Um, but yeah, that's, that's still a, that's a, that's a tough boss. Um, yeah, at least from what I watched in like the, the, uh, the the watching the logs. It's very precise. Um, so like, I, I guess I watched some of the, the weekday team in our guild do their progression on it. And they had some some heartbreaking sub one percent wipes. Um, it was so close. Um, so we started on it on Friday. We could only have like six bolts on it um, mm-hmm. because we did all of our you know like heroic reclear and everything before that. Yeah. Um, and it's a very precise boss. In particular, the dust. The way that we do dust. So there's a dance, right? You you do your rock blast. Then everybody moves out of the aftermath. You break all of the spikes at once with a healer cooldown. Mm-hmm. Then everybody stacks back up to bait the slam. You move out of that. You bait the falling rocks. You move away from that. So you you go like slam, move right, rocks, move left. Dust happens like immediately and 18 people are stacked to immediately yeah. clear it. And so you clear and you almost just like keep moving left it's almost you almost don't stop and if you do you get hit by rocks and you die (laughs) (laughs) and and i mean it's not like that severe there's there's a little bit of wiggle room um it's definitely something where you cannot greed a cast there at all like when you're doing the dust thing you like you go you do dust and you move like it yeah. does not matter how important that cast is, you will die. So then you move out, and then two other people are in the back, and they clear after everybody else. Gotcha. Because like there's this breakpoint. There's two breakpoints on the dust stuff. One is um, for it literally just like one shotting the raid, mm-hmm. um, and that is for our gear level. If you did all twenty at the same time, it would it would just kill some people. Um, and then there's another breakpoint. It happens at like 10 players where you like barely need a healing CD for it. Or it's like 10 players lets you get hit by something and then survive the dust. But doing it with 10 players is just like massively more complicated because you go straight from that dust into another rock blast, like four or five seconds later. Gotcha. So you don't have time really to like have people get hit, break 10, and then like heal people up and do it again like you just there's a timing constraint there so we're doing the 18 clear um, okay and um it's a real damage taros is another real damage check um this yeah. is just like a big old single target damage check i'm going to be actually going 
after this podcast and doing a bunch of sims to figure out like where I spend valor on my DK. I got a weapon that I can upgrade. I don't know if it's worth me dumping 3000 valor into this weapon, um, sure. but it might be. Uh, that might be my biggest upgrade. Um, and then I got to figure out like, do I spend a spark on a crafted item that is like going to be a small upgrade, which then means it's going to be another, you know, four weeks instead of two weeks until I could craft a weapon. Right. Yeah. But then like primal council drops a good two handed weapon. So do I really need to craft a weapon? Maybe I don't need to craft a weapon. Yeah. The spark. I mean, yeah, I think we'll talk about sparks in a bit, but yeah, no, that's, those are always the, I think the tough decisions too. Um, Yeah. I think, and our, I think our problem too is like, we, like I do our healing CDs. So I did our healing CDs off of like other people's logs with similar comps. Yeah. Um, and so like, I'm assuming like one of the things that they were talking about after the raid was like, we probably should have moved stuff around. And I was like, yeah, guys, you probably should have <laughs> come, come on, buds. Um, cause typically we will do that. Like we'll talk like, like in the raid, we'll talk. Our healers about, are you know, super good about that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, ours are, ours are kind of quiet. Um, we'll say, uh, yeah. in terms of like that. Well, <laughs> so I think, I think if we didn't have our healing officer there, there's like two possibilities. Either they would talk about it and then not move anything. Yeah. Or they would talk about it and move it way too much and like change everything, every pull. Right. Yeah. And like our healing officer is, is like the linchpin that keeps everything coordinated and make sure that like, yeah, you know, maybe we actually just try that one again. And like people do better about not standing in swirlies and we see how that goes. We give it a couple more pulls before we completely rewrite the healing cooldowns. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah, that's been that's definitely been the toughest part I'll say for me this is like learning cuz we we run two preservation evokers. So like learning their cooldowns has been like not tough, but like it adds a different dimension like like going back to this Razageth real quick real briefly is like for the for one for like two of the pushback wins, we just use a dream flight to heal people. Yeah. Like so like not and that's like an extremely strong cooldown that like I hadn't realized. So um yeah, I mean it's it's been interesting to learn their cooldowns, I'll say. Um because like rewind is useless against dot damage, you want it for big hits. So it's like Right. It's kind of a revival like, that has the like yeah. movement thing tacked onto it. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, yeah, very revival like in terms of that. So yeah, I mean it's it's uh that's been an interesting part of it. But no, our, our I think our tarot stuff will we'll clean up. I'll be in this week. Hopefully that helps. We won't have somebody's all you know playing their second spec. One of our shamans stepped up. Um, to to at least heal for for the night. So yeah, we'll... yeah, we actually were doing it without a disc priest on Friday. Uh, oh really? Yeah, our disc priest was out of town. They're back today. They're they're nice. doing keys right now. Uh, last <laughs> I saw, they were in an hour plus long Ruby Life pools twenty, which is uh, quite sounds like quite an adventure. Um, I hate that. I hate that. Yeah, so I'm sure they will too by the end of it. Um, <laughs> yeah. But. Uh, so we had a, a druid step up and, and heal. So not too bad. Not too bad. Um, well, cool. Yeah. I think we're, we're probably very clear. So yeah, hopefully you get some solid pulls in tonight. Um, yeah. Get it down. Uh, Fingers so crossed. So what I've heard is the damage check is like Taros is a real, real damage check. Mm-hmm. And so it's worth putting in. It, it feels actually it is nice having this big damage check that is actually a real damage check, and it's something for us to work on and like optimize around. And that's that's actually kind of fun. There's no super complicated things. The fight's fairly straightforward. 
we actually not only on Terras, but for the whole raid, we have virtually no uh assignment week auras. Yeah. Like and that's actually really nice. Um we by the time we reach some of these later mythic fights, we might we might grab a couple, but um on heroic we have like Razageth positive negative charge is like the only one. Yeah. Um yeah, I think we use we use one for kicks on council, but like that's just so people like we have somebody yeah. assigned to do it. So. We we just yolo kicks, just yolo <laughs> the kicks because it's not they, the casts don't hit nearly as hard as like the prototype pantheon kicks did. Yeah, that's well, like true. the prototype pantheon kicks. If one of those went off, somebody was probably dead. Yeah. Um. So these are these are more uh, way more forgiving. True. That is true. Um. Well, cool. Well, yeah. I mean, that's I think that's where we're at progression wise. So. Um, yeah. Not, not too bad. It's been fun so far. I'll say it's a good first I've raid. Had a good time. Yeah. 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 The uh, I will tell you the only the only downside. I don't know if I mentioned this the last time we we talked, but the giving out loot is not as much fun as like I like master loot in that nothing ever really goes to waste. At least that we've seen. But like the you know the five or so minutes between boss fights to like hand out loot is just it's annoying. Um, yeah. So what we started doing is um we have our dp a couple of our dps go tank spec in between okay. bosses and they tank trash while we figure out loot <laughs> but what, what we actually might start doing for our heroic is um just not give out any of the heroic loot until break like we break two hours in so yeah. we have to like break a little bit early to make sure that we actually have time to pass out the loot before the timer expires mm-hmm. but um just like not stop to give it out just like blast you know for two hours then give out a bunch of loot then blast for two hours and give out a bunch of loot yeah that's what that's what we ended up doing particularly like in normal and then like heroic for this week i think the only thing we did this week after each boss was non-tier pieces yeah um and so actually no we didn't know we kept everything this week so yeah so we did basically like three bosses hand out loot three bosses hand out loot it sort of didn't wait the full two hours but did it like every like 45 minutes to hour and yeah. that like as a as a player who like i have no input on loot so like that time for me is literally like just sitting there like typing yeah. in my little note into rc loot council like pressing like whatever yeah. main spec whatever i need to do um and then like i go afk but i don't know if i can go afk because like the way to work like you have to like open trade with like whoever whoever yeah. has all the loot and get the loot it's just i wish it was Two things. I wish it was true master looter and that they could just give you items, which would be yeah. so much easier. Well, um, that would also prevent there's a little bit of a gotcha. Um so we killed Heroic Razageth this week. And uh we had somebody that was immediately leaving to go take their brother to the airport. Mm-hmm. Um and so they left, they didn't roll on loot. Um and I didn't realize it. <laughs> okay. So not all of the loot ended up in my bags. Oh Some no! Of it ended up in my mailbox, <laughs> and that is how we had a tear token end up in my mailbox that is now bound to my DK, and my DK cannot use it. Oh no! Oh, um, no. Thankfully, it wasn't one that was going to like give somebody four piece. It was going to somebody to just like be an eye level upgrade over their current one. So yeah. like that still feels bad because it was like a thirteen eye level upgrade, right? You won't that. That feels bad, but um, it isn't as bad as it could have been, and it's an important important lesson for anybody listening. Uh, yes, make sure the loot actually ends up in your bag before you leave the instance. 
Yeah. Because if it goes yeah. to the male, it's now soul bound. Yeah, we, we had issues too this week. Speaking of this, like bugs like or weird things like that, is like a bunch of our raiders use LVI and like we also use yeah. RC Loot Council. And so like some interaction of like auto passing didn't clear the LVI like rolling thing. You gotta you gotta As, slash reload. Exactly. So like that was there and uh and um and yeah, so the funny thing is, is that, so like some people were like, so we trigger, like someone would trigger an RC loot council thing or, or, or pastor or would, and then people would re, like do all their fill out things. And like, as we're waiting, some people would reload their UI, which would throw back up the RC loot council window of like rolling on items. And so you have to fill that <laughs> all the way back out or like, it, it like erased your answers or something weird. So yeah, it was, oh, uh, it was, a, it was a fun time. Um, yeah. I saw a post about that. that from the LVI discord. That's like, yeah, we're aware of this like bug for now. Just like reload UI after yeah. you after the auto pass happens. Just reload UI and then do your loot. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, um, but no, it's been it's been a, it's been an experience. It's been a it's kind of not too bad in terms of like the 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 raid so far. Haven't had any sort of terrible fights that I've absolutely hated just yet. But yeah, well, we'll we get to think. Ice Spider after Taros, right? And then that's true. That's one where we're gonna. Where we're gonna find out um, how bad that is to actually do on Mythic. Yeah, that is that is true. That is true. So. That is the one that concerns me. Yeah, it's well that one or I mean today I think is also probably oh, one that I I'm gonna get annoyed at. So. I died on the Thea this week. In a, we did a sale run. Um, I died on the Thea to the the exact overlap that I complained about during oh, really? PCR test, <laughs> testing. Where like the tank knock happens and then the the ad knock happened and I was just like it was actually even worse than that. Like the tank knock happened and I knew the ad knock was gonna be coming, so I got knocked towards the ad, but then I ended up like landing inside the ad as it was exploding. And it sent me <laughs> off sideways. Yeah. And I went off God. the platform. Oh no. Oh no. <laughs> so Not I'm like just that. like and and I can't so as as you go to like three or four stacks on heroic, depending on how fast the platform's clear. Um, so I <laughs> I save my dust advanced charges to use on on the third and fourth. Right. So I I have to like I think it works for me to like blow dust advance on the first one that overlaps with the ad, and then still have it for three and four as long as I don't use it on two. Yeah. But it just is a huge feels bad. Just like oops, I'm dead. Yeah. Yeah, I need a red. And you yeah. can't even like that overlap, you can't do the thing that you can do with a lot of the knocks, which is get knocked into a tornado, which stops your momentum. Mm-hmm. Um, it does damage, but it stops your momentum. Um, and that is way better than dying. Yeah. Uh so like worst case on I was like worst case on three and four, I like knock myself into a t- tornado, and then you know, I'll be I'll 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 live. I might perk, but I'll live. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, yeah, that's that fight, I think, is going to be. It's, I think it's just going to be. An, it's going to be annoying with the knockbacks and like charging up the ads with like the marks or whatever. So I don't know. Well, yeah. Hopefully, that's all figured out for us when we get there. So. Um, yeah, that's that's one where we might have a week or to be like, yeah. you you dunk, you don't dunk. Okay, now you dunk. Like it, at very least, like it's got the paintsmith trap thing where you need to like stagger your dunks probably so you don't go to four stacks when it, exactly. when it goes out. Yeah. Yeah. 
I, I missed all of Dathaya progression from the World First Day, so I have no idea what it actually looks like. I just yeah, know it got like, nerfed. Yeah, it's just like charging up things, so um so cool. Um well yeah, maybe we can, I guess we can we can sort of shift to I guess some other things that happened over the past weeks. There wasn't much. Um, but we can talk a little bit about that and then we can sort of hit the main topic, which is sort of the the look forward to the twenty twenty-three. Um so yeah, so I think um, real quick, so Method uh, did interview Morgan Day, Associate Game Director Morgan Day. Love Morgan so much. Um, uh, did ask him ask him a bunch of questions pre-raid. So this was sort of something that was, I think they did it pre-raid. It was released during their their the, the Method Race for World First stuff. Um, and uh, a couple of interesting questions, not too much, but, um, but uh, some questions around like, you know, because this is pre-raid, um, they asked a little bit about like the BOEs, the issue with BOEs, which I don't think we ever mentioned, but the fact that they did, um, previously they were going to just have BOEs drop from lieutenants and those BOEs, at least the mythic version of those BOEs would be BOP for the first couple of weeks, meaning like you couldn't sell mythic BOEs or you couldn't sort of sell the, the BOEs from the lieutenants. They reverted that. So now, you know, there's BOEs dropping from trash and they're not BOP yeah. from mythic, I think so. Um, they couldn't get that to work tech wise. Um, so that was sort of one thing they touched on. You mentioned that, um, ask a little bit about how rare the rare raid drops are, um, which they seem, we got a ton of those primalist trinkets. I don't know about you, but like we got a mythic one this week. Yeah. We've gotten a bunch in heroic and I think we got, I think we have one mythic one also, but yeah, that they don't seem that rare. I'll say. Yeah. Um, and Morgan Day's comment on it was basically, we won't tell you the drop rate, but I will tell you that it's not the like 1% mounts kind yeah. of drop rate. They're they're way higher than that. Um, yeah. So, yeah. Also on the BOE thing, um, part of the reason for like doing this, like I think they had technical reasons for it for this tier. Like they just couldn't mm-hmm. get it implemented in time with the like weekly lockout on killing the lieutenants and all of that. Basically them being literal mini bosses. Um. Right. I would much rather still have the lieutenants with like the guaranteed, you know, you get some bop or BOE items rather than the trash farm thing. Like, I guess, you know, and maybe that's just a, like, maybe there's a, a, a group of people out there that really likes BOE trash farms. And you know what? I guess I'm okay with that existing, but mm-hmm. I would prefer having lieutenant mobs that just are like, yeah, we know we kill this. If we killed this thing, we don't, there's no incentive for us to go like scour through the rest of the trash in the instance and, and hope to get a couple more mythic BOEs. Yeah. 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 No, yeah. I, I'm, I'm definitely, yeah, I'm not a fan of trash. We've already started our trash skipping. So we're getting very good at the first wing of trash skips and then we'll, we'll probably continue a little bit better everywhere else. So yeah, no, it's, I think I'm, yeah, I think I'm fine with the fact that like, yeah, if everything was on a Lieutenant, make it a lot of, a, lot, a little bit easier. Um, so yeah, and then I think that the only other, I guess, couple other quick just highlight points is like Morgan's, they, they asked Morgan about, um, like ever having like a fully untested raid or like, you know, how reliant are you on community testing? And like his point is basically like, they'll never fully do something fully untested. Like they think the idea is like, they want to make sure that your player experience is good. And so, um, they want to make sure that like, yeah, like when we walk into a raid, maybe not the world first raiders, but like when we as sort of mid-tier raiders or just general people walk into a raid, it's a good experience, right? 
And so yeah. you can't do that without some testing, at least from the, the community at large, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, meanwhile, the Thea still exists. Well, yeah, exactly. I mean, it, it's exactly. one of those things where like most of the time it's fine, but then like 10% of the time or 5% of the time, it just like, you just die. Yeah. And it feels really stupid. It's just unpleasant. Yeah. And there's always exactly. things like you can play super conservatively and play around it. Like I was talking about like using death's advance on that one to make sure the overlap doesn't kill me, but mm -hmm. not every tank can do that. Yeah. Yeah. So it makes it, yeah, it, yeah, they, they need that sort of testing to see those things. Even if you can see all the numbers and like a spreadsheet, there's just something yeah. about the fight playing out that's that you kind of need to see. Um, they also asked about faded. Uh, so that was the season four mechanic from, from Shadowlands. Um, you know, from a from a developer perspective, they really like it, at least according to Morgan. Um, and so, you know, we'll probably see something similar at the end of this expansion, which I'm fine. I think I enjoyed season four. It was just fun to sort of, you know, mess around. I, I think we talked about some of the issues with like the reprogression side of things, but yeah. generally once you got into it, once they unlocked like all four or all, sorry, all three raids at the same time, I think it was, it was yeah. you know, fine. I, I think the raid rotation was probably the single biggest issue. And then the faded mm -hmm. powers honestly were just not balanced. Not it. Like <laughs> yeah. just like, don't just don't. Yeah, actually. Okay. I think vault of the incarnates would be perfectly fine with faded powers. I would, yeah, I would. Because none agree. of the, a lot of the bosses don't have the kind of like insanely tight dances that we saw in Sepulchre in particular, where mm -hmm. like you're always one step away from the next important mechanical overlap, and you have to handle that. And then adding faded powers, it was just like, just not fun. It overloaded yeah, the much. fights, and I don't think the fights involved of the incarnates are like that. I think that they have more breathing room, so that you. Like you could fit the faded powers in there and it would not be overloading the fights. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Um, so we'll probably see faded uh, or a faded like mechanic for the final season here in this raid, which will be fun. Or this, sorry, expansion, which will be cool. Um, somebody asked about, they asked about healer trinkets. So will healer trinkets ever become more desirable? Which Tank I, trinkets, I think, is the same answer. Yeah, which I think is just funny in that, like, I, I don't know about, I mean, I know that Tank, you guys sort of, I think, trend more towards like damage focused trinkets like healers yeah. again our trinkets are generally going to be more focused on like just throughput the problem is is that most healer specific trinkets are just not good like if they did a lot of throughput i think we'd lose them use them a lot more often but like in many cases they're just like what was the the trinket from i don't know if it was from sepulchre or from sanctum but it was like the the guardians or sorry the lion's roar and put like a shield down like yeah. an ams shield it was like a 10 minute cooldown that would reduce when you did holy damage. It was like, yeah, only one healer does holy damage. Well, I guess two healers do holy damage, but it's like, also, it's not good. <laughs> like the numbers yeah. are not good. Yeah. Um, and so I think that's, it's just a funny question in that like, and Morgan's answer, I think is slightly off in that. Um, I think if just trinkets were better and did more, like more or did like more interesting things, I think you'd, you'd see a lot more healers trend towards them. I think, the Broodkeeper trinket, very much, I think, a healer-specific trinket um, from Diana is a very good trinket, this expansion. Yeah. Um, I think that's a really good... Uh, a but really that's good not like... I mean, it is a throughput trinket. But it's also just like a versatility buff. Yeah. So it's just like, if it didn't have the healing, it would still be a good trinket. It wouldn't be as good. It wouldn't be better than a lot of the other options. But if they, they turned all that healing into just straight versatility, it would be good. Yeah. Um. 
I I don't think he's actually super off on the throughput thing because it's like with tank trinkets, they run into a similar issue where like if you just buff the throughput on the trinket, then obviously the trinket is good mm-hmm. um, for a lot of them. Some of them are some of them are unredeemable. <laughs> some of them are unredeemable, like that stupid trinket from Halls of Atonement. Yeah. Um, but what you can run into then is a trinket that basically becomes mandatory and you can't do your job without the trinket. And that's something that I think they try to avoid. Um, And if you, so for example, if you had just like really, really high powered healer trinkets, right. With, with a lot of throughput and you have a fight where it's like requires 4.5 healers, you know, it's one of those fights where like you need four for sure five is kind of overkill they don't do very much healing but it's still kind of important like four right. is too little five is too much um if you slap eight like high powered throughput trinkets on your four healers and that lets you skip the fifth healer mm-hmm. that you know that could work but then also if you don't have the eight throughput trinkets to put on then you're forced to play five healers and that can make the fight a lot harder that's fair. Yeah, that's fair. I think, yeah, I mean, it's definitely a balance, but I think, I don't know, like you, the, the problem is like any trinket for at least that a healer is going to equip is generally going to drive some, some sort of throughput. And in the past, it's been stat sticks that have been the best, like the uninteresting yeah. one. Yeah. Right. And so like, I think to make an interesting healer trinket, you have to give it some sort of healing and, you know, or, or some sort of interesting mechanic, like void, like a, a, was it void stone was the, yeah. The Crucible yeah. of Storms trinket, that like uh, or feather from uh, from that was from Castle Nathria, right? The feather trinket that like put it absorb on somebody that had the like janky tech where like it would fully absorb a hit no matter how how, how large it was. I think yeah, I forget. Yeah, I think there was something like that. Yeah, I always remember Voidstone as like the 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 good bad trinket in that it absorbed healing but then also prevented damage, the shield. And so you'd have yeah. to time it to like hit just as a hit was coming. So you didn't absorb too much of the healing off of it by healing the yeah. person. So yeah, I mean, or sorry, too much to absorb off. So yeah, I mean, I think they can make interesting healer trinkets. It's just, you know, they, the unused like hard. external trinkets are definitely yeah. way more fun and interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I think that's, and then there's a couple other questions in the interview, but I think those were like the, the big hitters from, from Morgan. So yeah, um, it was cool. It was a good little interview. Um, sort of that, that that method ended up doing. Um, I guess next up in terms of week's interview, we'll say the last two weeks, is uh, Mike Yabara of Blizzard President, I think that's his title? Anyway, the the leader of Blizzard now, Mike Yabara, uh, posted his like end of year um, sort of wrap up, uh, talking about really all of the Blizzard franchises. So like, you know, the Diablo franchises, Overwatch, uh, Mortal Warcraft, of course, or Warcraft, we'll say, of course. Um you know, I think the biggest thing is Diablo 4 has got a release date. No, we're not a Diablo podcast, but June yeah. 6th, this yeah. summer, we'll get to play Diablo 4, which I'm excited about. A huge fan of Diablo. Um, goes through a, a bunch of different changes they made to the overall team, which is interesting. I think the biggest one that impacts us is Holly Longdale is now the executive producer of uh, World of Warcraft. So overall, all of the World of Warcraft franchises, both classic and retail, which... I think we talked about this maybe when we talked about the trading posts that that lot dropped on PTR, but I think Holly will be, I don't know, I'm I'm excited about her influence on WoW in general. Um, coming from yeah. her background, like the the EQ next stuff and 
Um, yeah, but he did, you know, Mike goes through like a huge sort of just wrap up of all the Blizzard stuff, all the fun stuff they're doing. Um, but yeah, it's cool. Yeah, the the I think the Diablo thing was is big, and then um, yeah, Holly taking over as a as an executive producer, which I think is fun. So good for Z game. Um, yeah. yeah. And then the final sort of wrap up before we talk about the next sort of couple months in content is the third spark of ingenuity is available this week. So if you are not familiar, these sparks of ingenuity, they are items that allow you to craft basically high level crafted items. I'll say they're used in high level crafted items. Um, and so you only get a limited number of these, which means you can only make a limited number of crafted items. And you got your third one um, this week. Uh, generally speaking, it's, you know, most items take one of these really it's only two-handed weapons so any sort of it's two-handed, two-handed weapon weapons will take two. that take two to kind of balance them with the one hand like dual wielding option yeah. mm-hmm. so you're not punished for for dual wielding yeah so yeah that's um the the third spark is out and this is the first one that you can spend really on something that's not an embellished item mm-hmm. um your first two sparks really should go towards embellished items and um, I think one that virtually everybody went for is the Elemental Lariat, the Necklace, uh, which is a very good default option because no matter what, it's just a huge amount of stats. So like, it can't be that bad. And for mm-hmm. Brewmaster, for example, our Sims were kind of in a wonky state at the point where people were kind of making decisions about their, um, about their embellishments. So Lariat was just like, you know, this is just good. I know it's going to be good. It might not be the best in the long term, but it is it is a good start. Um, yep. I actually redid Sims this morning to figure out what the actual best embellishments, embellishment setups are for Brewmaster. And it's currently looking like the uh, slimy expulsion boots plus oh. your uh, uh, fang adornment on the weapon. Gotcha. Which is nice, actually, because uh, getting a high eye-level weapon is also just like a huge upgrade. If you have the concentrated primal infusion, which comes from either doing 10 keys that are 16 or above, you don't you don't need to dime them, you just need to complete them. Um, you get one from that. So if you've if you've been grinding keys, you can get a couple of 418s from that. Uh, also drops from Mythic Raid. Gotcha. And um so that's kind of the like best brewmaster setup now. Uh, and then the third one, this is an advantage of being a class that can dual wield. You can just spend an individual one on like a high eye level weapon. And that's really your best bet for your third one, unless you got a high eye level weapon from your vault or something. That's just like the biggest upgrade that you can get in general is just like upgrading a weapon. So being able to go like, okay, I'm going to upgrade one weapon this weekend and one weapon next week or in two weeks is like really nice. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think you were saying earlier, like for Mistweaver, it's like Elemental Lariat is is the go-to. Yeah, I mean Elemental Lariat is is hands down the the biggest increase you can do, or you can make sort of um, with your spark. So that'll be sort of a locked in one, and then from there, it's really just filling in gaps in your gear, right? Like your you basically would craft whatever your weakest slot is beyond that, or whatever slot you're not going to replace, you know, so yeah. quickly in terms of whatever content you're doing um because it doesn't really matter like i guess you're looking at trinkets like alk stone probably is a solid second oh sorry 
does that count for embellishment? I guess that's a spark uh, item anyway. So it's it a spark matter. item, yeah. So more for yeah. your spark uses, yeah. Yeah. But in terms of like, actually, sorry, in terms of the embellishments, it's basically elemental lariat and then healing darts. Um, you can do potion absorption uh, inhibitor, which increases the duration of potions by fifty percent, but only if you are doing something very specific with our potion of chilled clarity. The potion of chilled clarity is like the innervate potion. It basically, right. um, you know, makes your cast cost one hundred percent less mana, but increases your cast time, you can sort of get around that as a Mistweaver with using Soothing Mist. Um, it doesn't... Gotcha. It's, it oh, that's cast. Yeah. yeah. But um, but you're only ever going to do Potion Absorption Emitter if you're essentially gaming Soothing Mist into, like, Vivify Spam. Right? You're going to yeah. spam the spell. It's not... Yeah. Uh, healing Darts, I think, a little bit more consistent and requires less potion setup, we'll say. Yeah. Um, uh, there's also some Cursed Tech with... Uh, with the potion one okay you can put it on the weapon okay okay you can swap weapons in combat okay oh no you can pop your potion with the potion absorption inhibitor then swap your weapon it keeps the have, potion duration it keeps the potion duration Ooh, this has scary. been this is this has been reported it, it hopefully will be fixed um, I honestly expect the fix to be like if you remove your potion absorption inhibitor, it just like removes all potions from you. Yeah, which yeah. is like fair, fair. I I honestly would not be mad if they did that. No, because um, that is like some really really cursed stuff. <laughs> um, and also, right now you are limited by sparks for that, so like you would be investing in a third embellished item, basically but you're only able to equip two at once. And I don't know that it is actually correct for anybody to do that. Yeah. Um, the, the only thing that it might make sense is for like a healer to have both the potion inhibitor and also healing darts. Yeah. Um, everybody, yeah, is, oh, sorry. Every, everybody else I feel like is just going to gain more from like the third high eye level craft. Mm-hmm. And maybe even healers would just gain more from a third high eye level craft. Yeah, I mean, I th I th if you're not playing into it, it's just easier to, yeah, to do another th yeah, third item that's just high item level versus like doing something like this. Because it, yeah, gaming it, gaming it just really only works under that potion chilled clarity situation. Like even if yeah. you're just to pop the potion and not game it with Vivify, it's healing darts are gonna generally gonna be in, are generally going to end up being better. So yeah, um, yeah. The on the Windwalker side, there's some interesting tech as well. Um, I don't know if you've heard about the situation with Flare and Cowl, which is I'm not so for plate and leatherwares. I don't know about cloth, uh, or mail. There are embellishments that can do fire damage, and that may not seem that important, but then there's the ring off of Aranog, Seal of Diurna's Chosen. And the ring off of Diurna, uh, Seal of Filial Duty, um, mm -hmm. that both have bonus effects that are triggered by dealing fire damage. So if your spec doesn't have a built-in way to do fire damage, this gives you these embellishments give you a way to do that. So for Windwalker, actually flaring cowl is like your best in slot if you have the Aerodog ring that does fire damage when you do fire damage. Gotcha. Interesting. 
And that's the same way for like DKs don't have fire damage. Um, but one of their best, like just straight up one of the best items for them is the belt that does frost fire damage, which also mm -hmm. counts for the ring. Um, at least for blood DK, that's just like one of the best items. And that also happens to enable the Aeronog ring. Oh, very cool. Very cool. Yeah. So, I didn't, oh, okay. Yeah. Sorry. I'm just, I was just reading that the flaring cloud. Um, that's it. Yeah. Cause I was wondering about those rings and that, like there are certain classes that just can't do fire damage. So I was like, what right. is the, so any leather that? or plate wearer can put one of those on. And it is generally like a DPS game to do that. If you get the ring, um, yeah. like I know our feral druid has flaring cow and they're like, I'm not like, if I get the Aeronog ring, I will take off <laughs> four set basically to put on flaring cow and the, and the ring. I don't, yeah, yeah. I don't know. Like, I think it's because they have some low eye level tier, but I, it's like also feral tier, maybe not the best. Um, it's a feral, so definitely not the best. <laughs> Damn, sorry. Um, but yeah, it's uh, it's so that's that's just something to be aware of. Like, there's these interactions between the crafted items and the the rings. Interesting. Yeah. I wonder if they did it on purpose. I guess they. Yeah, I guess it makes sense. Yeah. Brewmaster, for the record, does not need flaring cowl. Flaring cowl is not one of your top choices. It is fine if you're a windwalker and you have it crafted for that, and you wear it as brewmaster. You're like you're not throwing. None of the embellishments are that powerful. Gotcha. Um, but we have breath of fire that yeah, just so triggers the ring for us. Like we don't need anything extra to do that. Gotcha. 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 Nice. Nice. um yeah so i mean that's sort of i guess the i guess we so i have just gotten my third spark so i've only crafted two pieces so far so i need to yeah as i mentioned one. earlier i'm after this podcast i'm going and figuring out what i'm doing with my third if it's worth yeah. it for me to like actually go and get one crafted for taros tonight to make sure that like just that every little bit right because if i can gain 800 dps or like upgrading stuff with valor and getting a crafted item that's a lot like yeah. that's a lot and if everybody does that you know across 20 people right you're looking at 16k dps that's a lot yeah that that's the difference between a one percent wipe and a kill yeah which is yeah we've had yeah people have it's definitely a boss where you'll see a bunch of like sub like i said we had probably like four or five attempts sub five percent you know and then one sub one percent so it's a, it's a tight check um for sure so um so cool. So yeah, so I think then, you know, the only other, I guess, final thing we have for today, the, the big topic, um, is Blizzard, uh, really Holly put out a post and then Blizzard put out a, a couple of tweets with some graphics on the um, sort of the upcoming year, we'll say, of um, of Warcraft, which I think is, I don't remember them ever doing anything like this before. So I think this, this is, is sort new. of a, yeah, it's a brand new thing, but they basically put out a post of like, here is what we're planning to do over the next year with World of Warcraft. And it's not a bunch of specifics. And I think they sort of caveat in that, like, this is our plan. Things potentially change with these plans. Um, but they put out a graphic and sort of a, an overview of like, you know, the six upcoming content patches uh, for World of Warcraft, which is is super cool that they did this i'll say <laughs> yeah so uh, there's there's a couple like before we even get into the specifics of it one thing i want to highlight is we're seeing the return of like 0.7 patches um mm -hmm. we had a 9.2.7 that was the like cross uh cross realm auction house stuff mm -hmm. basically um 
but this is like every every major patch is going to have two minor patches from looking at this and that's that's a pretty big deal yeah and it seems like it's uh it's a combination of like just a general updates like of current systems or like current items right and then also a, a a small amount of like story progression right yeah of like new content there so yeah, so I mean, they they sort of lay this all out, uh, give us rough timelines of when things will come in, and then sort of talk about you know um, what's going to be inside of these. So yeah, so if we kind of go through this a little bit, um, you can take a look at you know winter the 10, 10.0.5 patch comes out sometime this winter, so probably January February timeframe, and that's really like the trading post is the big thing coming from that. Um, they talk a little bit about primalist tomorrow, which I believe is. That's some world um, content. like world, like new world content. Um, uh, which is, is that the tomorrow world? That, like, that's like the hourglass area in Valdrazas. That's the hourglass area. Yeah. 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 In, uh, in Valdrazas, there's the hourglass the area that you go into as part of like main cam- cam- main campaign, if I can talk, um, that currently has like nothing in it. It's got the like trial of whatever world event in there. And a that, world quest sometimes. And a world quest sometimes. Um, but uh, this is going to have like actual content there. We don't know any details of it yet. We do know Trading Post uh, is already on PTR. That's the one that we know details about. And then mm-hmm. the other one, I actually think this next one's the biggest addition from it. Not not the other two. Um, oh, okay. white, and, white and gray items becoming transmogable. It's dumb. Like transmog, gonna... transmog ruined the game. <laughs> People, people are going to be walking around like, I cannot wait for somebody to show up to raid in a tuxedo. I'm just like, if it's me, I'm I'm literally, I'm transmogging starter leather gear. Like, Oh, actually, oh, I, I think I still have my monk starter set too, which is, oh, really? which is yeah. Hopefully that just like gets unlocked. Like it would be, it would be great if all the like base sets get like, yeah. here's the gear you started with. We were just going to like make sure it gets unlocked, even if you don't have the items anymore. Although I guess you could also just make a new monk and get it that way because it should be account wide like transmog. Yeah, exactly. Um, That's true. Yeah. And like the the Blood Elf male, like male, the armor type starting set also looks really good. Um, maybe a little bit low resolution these days, but it, it is a really good looking set and you've never been able to transmog it. Because it's true. all all uh, common quality gear. That's true. Yeah, it's I just I don't know. I'm not a huge fan of transmog. I do it, but and I've I've I shouldn't I shouldn't say this a lot. I I have spent a couple hundred thousand gold on some some green transmog stuff. Mm-hmm. Um. Mm-hmm. Uh. Yeah. Uh, let's just continue on. Uh, that's fun. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, so that's sort of the 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 10.0.5. That stuff's on the PTR now, so you can go check that out. Um, also, not included in this, but there are there are class changes and talent changes as a part of 10.0.5 too. Um, so definitely check those out. I mean, Miss Fever gets an entirely new ability, right? Um, uh, with these, so it'll be fun when that goes live. Um, oh, also Brewmaster talent updates. Um, we talked about them before. There's nothing new since last time, but the potential brewmaster talent updates is pretty cool. Yeah, um, yeah. So then they then they sort of lay out the rest of the year. So they go into spring with a, like you mentioned the 10.0.7, which again is just more story. So we go back to the Forbidden Reach, which is the um, the Drakthir starter zone. So I'm assuming that's just story stuff for the larger community. Yeah. Um, of non Drakthir, uh, potentially. 
potentially more people get to become evokers. That's I heard some rumblings of this in that. Uh, no way. Absolutely no way. You don't think so? Okay. No, okay. no shot. I think there's okay. no shot. Well, maybe. I, I so I'm gonna I'm on I'm on, I think I'm on sort of the outside. I, I think like, eventually, yes. I think in ten dot oh dot seven, no shot. No shot. They make evoker a a large more people can be evokers. Okay. Yeah. We'll see. Um we also get some heritage armor for orcs and humans. I don't care about this, but because uh, it's transmog. Um but <laughs> but uh but no, you get heritage armor for orcs and humans, which is yeah, I guess they haven't gotten any yet, which is interesting. Um and then holiday up. I don't know what holiday updates are, but I'm assuming it's, like, it's they're doing like revamps and updates of the holiday events, gotcha. like the the Thanksgiving event and the Christmas event and all of that. Um, it would be kind of cool if they become more like the kind of weekly events for Dragonflight, like stuff okay. like doing the hunts or doing the feast. Um, you know, nothing too crazy, but those are those are like actually pretty good. So yeah, yeah. So we see some holiday updates, and then smack dab in the middle between spring and summer is 10.1 season two. Uh, so this will be like the this is of course the big content patches. So new raid, new zone, new mythic plus dungeon pool, of course. Um, but they do mention user interface improvements, which is always good. I think they'll continue to make the base UI. It seems like they're a little bit more invested in that nowadays, sort of modernizing yeah. that a bit. Yeah. Um, and then profession updates, which I think we'll need. It's something that I don't think we're gonna go too much in depth here, but yeah. What I've noticed is that, like, if you're leveling a profession now, good luck because you can't do it through public crafting orders at all. Because people are just going to want to, like, tier fours, tier five versions of the right. items. And you trying to level right now is just very well, expensive. I think that actually speaks to a deeper issue, which is that the current crafting system has a lot of rough edges and a lot of confusing pieces. Um, yeah. And in particular, there's one thing that's very much bait. Um, well, like, you can't have somebody link you their profession and see what they can actually craft. Right. So there's like, we had one of our, our raiders, like somebody told them that they could craft, like they could inspire proc rank five of an item. And um, it turns out that they were misled and <laughs> yeah. like, they just had to trust them. Right. So it turns out that they were um, able to craft rank three and inspire proc to rank four but there's no like you can't like double inspire proc or anything to get to rank five from there. So they just like it dumped uh, 50 or 100k of mats into this guy, you know, failing to recraft their thing to yeah. rank five, which is like huge, huge feels bad. They were very, very upset by that. Like, and there's no way like the the current like ability to link your profession is basically useless. Yeah, it, it doesn't let you see what somebody could recraft to like set up a a recrafting order in advance. You just have to like trust them, right? And that that also there's also a confusing thing with the way recrafting works because like in many cases we have somebody who can make rank four lariats, and it was cheaper to just give them the mat, like give them basically tier two mats across the board, right. and then recraft for procs because yeah. like you he could proc. A rank five on the initial craft but like the diamonds one item was like the, the diamond rank three version of the item was like the lariat each which is yeah, like the lariat crazy is special so every every item when you recraft it to recraft it costs 50 percent of all of the non-bound on pickup materials rounded down the lariat requires one diamond mm-hmm 
round that down zero. and it's zero. And so that interacts with the way that like skill point tracking works in a crafted item. When you recraft it, it like keeps, it remembers what skill points, what skill point bonus you got from the previous materials that were invested in it. Mm-hmm. And every time you recraft it, it like takes the average. So like if you use rank three mats on the recraft and you used rank two before the average goes up. And as you keep doing that, eventually you just like completely remove the contribution of the rank two diamonds. Right. Yeah. Which yeah, is so actually phenomenally cheaper. <laughs> exactly. So yeah, so definitely some, we'll see what these profession updates are in season two, but um, yeah, but yeah, that'll yeah. be interesting. There's a lot like trying to reach 100 skill, like caring about 100 skill is kind of bait um, because you can invest your like knowledge points are the big thing. If you invest all of your knowledge points into um, what you're trying to craft, you will more than you will get more bonus skill than your actual like 100 points in your profession give. Oh yeah. So like I think for um, I think for leatherworking right now you get like 45 points for leatherworking discipline. You get 30 or 40 points for just picking leather armor and 30 or 40 points for doing each of the like the left and right side of the character sheet and then also up to 70 additional points for investing in a specific slot so you're like baseline before you even invest in the specific slot you're like plus 125 skill yeah uh or sorry yeah plus 125 uh, and then if you add that on you're like plus 195 yeah so literally almost doubling your your base skill contribution Oh yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah. So, but yeah, you, you are right. It is kind of annoying to have that bar sitting there and you can't fill it up. I ran into that. I sat there and I just spam refreshed the public order board until I finally got enough crafts to, to reach a hundred. Yeah. Uh, but it took a lot of sitting there just like watching you do what hitting search on the public orders. Yeah. Trying to find something. Yeah. So that's annoying, but yeah, we'll, we'll see what these profession updates are. Um, and then from there, we've like, I don't want to go, I guess there's not too much beyond season two stuff. Like the tent one five, we get a mega dungeon, which is cool. Yep. They're going to continue to do those. Love these sort of mega dungeons those are always fun. I guess more world events, which we'll see what the, probably just an update to the primal storm system, right? We'll probably retire the primal storm system at this point and do something new. And then content and system updates, basically probably just tuning stuff, right? Like whether that's right. talent tuning, new, you know, new tuning to previous systems like we'll see what that ends up being um and then 1017 looks exactly like 1007 in that it's story stuff holiday stuff and then system stuff right yeah. like this is where the sort of they idea start getting very out of vague at <laughs> yeah. this point. yeah and then finally season three which is next fall winter time frame so about a you know a little less than a year from now we'll get new raid new zone new mythic dungeon pool and additional stuff so like I think the biggest thing is them saying like, hey, we're going to do this patch cycle, which I think is cool. So every, at least every three months, we'll get some sort of like dot release increase um, yeah. or, or you know, dot dot release increase. So um, I think it's cool they've laid it out like this and you get an idea of what is upcoming. If, I mean, the second half of the year, very vague, other than like, we'll continue yeah. to release patches with updates. Hooray. Yeah. Um, but I think in, in terms of like the next six months, it's very clear like you've got, 10.05, uh, 10.07, and then season two this summer, which is which yeah. is cool. And so I've brought this up before on the show. 
Uh, this is not that far off of the patch cycle that uh, Final Fantasy fourteen uses. Yeah, and I were oh sorry. Basically, like the the idea with I think FF fourteen is not every patch is for every player. Um, mm-hmm. Where like you have raid patches and those are for raiders, and they have some story stuff, but also just like a raid for raiders. Uh, but then you have in between patches and there's like a patch that like this patch is for crafters and there's a, a patch that this patch is just like story stuff and that's for you know most people but you know not every raider is interested in doing it they will go through it so they can unlock the next raid when it comes out but mm-hmm. you know not really their cup of tea and that's okay so like we're seeing what we're seeing with this is minor patches have new world content new new story content new transmog that kind of stuff um, I would actually kind of like to see some of the profession stuff in between a major patch, but I've, maybe the profession updates are just going to be really, really big. So they're like, we have to do this in the major patch. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That could be it. Yeah. But yeah. But yeah, it's, and I think, and that's to, to be honest with you, I think that's like, if anything, that's like the influence of, I think some, someone like Holly, right. Yeah. And that like, I don't want to say like it, over the past year, we've seen a ton of turnover, I think, just on the Warcraft team, particularly in leadership. I know, like, Ian's still there, and you've still got um, a lot of a lot of older people who have moved up. Like, Morgan Day's been there since, you know, the days of... I think he joined back in PC, he said. So, like, you know, he's been there for forever. But um, at least at the leadership level with, like, John Voigt and, and Holly, Holly being the big one, I think this is sort of maybe the... Like, a, a, a change in the way that, wow, like, they're going to approach, like... World of Warcraft content, right? And like how they get yeah. these updates and how they do it, which I think is super, super cool um, and really fun. Cause like we've never, like we said, we've never seen anything like this in terms of like a roadmap. Um, it's sort of always felt like it's been fly by the seat of your pants from Blizzard or like it's been like <laughs> they have yeah. an idea of when they want to push something out, but they don't tell anybody until it's like they're ready to announce. I think this yeah. just saying like, hey, here's our roadmap, here's our plan. And I think if they're honest with, I think the, the one thing that I hope they do here is that if they are going to miss these dates or these dates are going to push, they're like honest about it. They're like, yeah, here's the updated roadmap. It's not just like, oh, we missed. We'll figure it out. It's like, here's now this will be, you know, summer into or sorry, fall into winter for 10.1.5 and 10.1.7. Right. Yeah. Um, and I think, I think the biggest thing for me is this, this says they're going to be a lot more focused on getting more frequent patches out. Yeah. Right. Like, this is the kind of thing where in Shadowlands, for example, um, or BFA, these dot seven patches would just be part of like the the dot one dot two patches, um, right. and so, even some of the stuff that we're getting in the dot five patches would be part of the major like dot one patch. You know, we didn't get story content in the dot five patches in in Shadowlands. We got systems updates, and that's it. Pretty much, yeah. and they were big systems updates. Like we talked a lot about that. Like 10.0.5 was huge system updates, and 10.1.5 had even more. Right. Yeah, um, yeah. But the the all the world content, everything was all in the big like major patch, and that was the patch that was supposed to be everything for everyone. And um, now they're spreading it out a little bit more, which I think is it's good. Like yeah. they're you're going to be dealing with less of like okay, there's six months I've completed like this major patch now there's six months until the next one yeah yeah it almost it almost helps keep people engaged right like the uh, yeah yeah like the the uh 
like there, it keeps people like engaged with like even if it's a smaller amount of content, you come back for like the one or two. Even like if, let's say ten out of five has like two weeks worth of content for someone in a previous expansion, like you're saying, like it would be a dot one release, and maybe those two weeks are bundled in with like three or four weeks of other stuff you're doing, and now you've spent you know a month maybe playing the game, and now you'll quit for five months before the next content. Right. Where like this gives you like every three months there's something new that maybe keeps you engaged for like a week or two, or you're just like, wow, they're making continued updates, they're making continued changes. I'll just keep yeah. playing because it's it's yeah. fun, right? So it's yeah. not a stale game. So yeah. 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 No, yeah. I, I think or so I'm like sorry, I just I guess my last little point here is like, yeah, I'm I'm just super I think I'm excited by this in terms of like I will probably always play WoW no matter what. But this at least like the the fact that they'll put this out and they'll also like even the 10.5 patch has a bunch of talent changes in it. Like yeah, if you can see that continue to happen, like it just keeps the game fresh and different. And even if it's not misweavers or like monks getting the changes, like some other class getting changes, which means like hopefully like we're around the corner next or like I don't know, it just keeps the game. I think you know, it's just change is always good. I think in my mind for, for yeah. stuff like this. So this is this is good. This is like one of the lingering criticisms I think of the past couple of expansions that a lot of people have had is just like the big big gaps in new stuff coming out. Um, exactly and so this this is good this is good um, yeah there's very there's not a lot of the, the main downside here is if they have to keep pushing back these minor patches but i don't really think they will they all seem like fairly well scoped to like we are doing this one thing and then there's a couple of extra things um right like the trading post and primalist tomorrow are the big things for 10.0.5 in terms of like complicated yeah big new content stuff there's the transmog thing which is probably also complicated but um that was originally part of 10.0 and got bumped to to this patch so it's like probably also partially complete um but then like 10.0.7 there's like two bits of content stuff return to forbidden reach human or heritage armor and it's like we're doing these two things it's not some big like Xerath Mortis zone that they're trying to do for it. Forbidden Reach already exists. They're adding quests to it, which is a lot of work, but they're not doing that and also making a new zone. Exactly. Exactly. Um, so yeah. I don't know. I'm, I'm excited. This is good. Dragonflight. So uh, there, I think the Doomsayers have mostly quieted down now that like we're like a month into the expansion, over a month into the expansion. Yeah. And dragonflight's good like it is yeah it's good i have like other i think other to me it's the only frustrating part i'll say to me uh, with everything in the expansion is just the profession system in that like yeah. it's 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 not it seems like it's not a wow system like i think in many cases a lot of wow systems at least surface level are fairly easy to understand there's always some like nuance underneath of some of them that are like yeah hey like to really min-max this thing, you need to do X, Y, or Z thing. But, you know, surface level, you can get by with just a basic understanding of most things. I think with yeah. professions, it's not the case in that, like, you basically need to read and understand, like, what all the different stats are, like, how the yeah. different talents interact with things. Um, that would be my only complaint. The rest of it, if you don't have to interact with crafting, like, just rest of it, awesome. Yeah, like the, I think that's very consistent with the comments from people in my guild where, like, the one thing that they are really unhappy with is just how confusing crafting is like they want to get their 418 crafted whatever Mm -hmm. and figuring out how to do that 
like if they didn't have people in guild, like we have somebody in guild that can make lariats at four fifty or four eighteen. Mm-hmm. So like if they didn't have him to explain to them how this works and like kind of guide them through the process and be like a trusted person that's not gonna scam them. Yeah, exactly. You know, it would be so yeah. much worse. But now we have people where like I had to go outside of the guild to get my my frostfire belt upgraded to four eighteen. Um, you can't get all of the items crafted within the guild at 418 that you would want. So mm-hmm. they're starting to have to reach out beyond that. And sometimes it is going badly. And I think there's a lot of improvement that Blizzard can do. Not to the functionality of the crafting system, but to the like usability and understanding of it. Right? right yeah. Like the cl- crafting order stuff I think is is mostly okay. Public orders are dead. Nobody posts crafting orders in public like uh, i i i I sat there for a a couple of afternoons in a row sniping crafting orders (laughs) just to hit 100 skill that's hilarious um that shouldn't be how that works like honestly like the 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 skill up bar to 100 honestly like might just need to go away (laughs) yeah like it might just be dead like and just replaced with the knowledge system um, like having both is kind of is kind of awkward yeah but mostly i think the most important thing is that like you should be able to ask somebody for a link to their profession and then be able to tell if they can craft the thing you want to craft and because it, yeah. it's not just like the base item anymore it's it's way more complicated than that like i should be able to link you my leatherworking and you should be able to like slot in your embellishment and your primal infusion and your missive and see that I have guaranteed 415 and a base of like 30% chance for it to be 418. And you should be able to tell that directly from that UI and not have to like take me at my word. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and then some some other things like the contribution of I like material quality to the crafting. Like it it should there's a bunch of things like that that could be more clear um that would go a long way to making it less frustrating because i think that is a large part of like the the like frustration and like unfun bits of the crafting stuff is like i want this crafted and i'm just confused like being confused is not fun it's like the opposite of fun sitting there being confused is just very unpleasant and it's this big complicated system and people are still learning about it right right like yeah yeah I'm still figuring out, like I figured out some stuff this week about how I should have invested my knowledge points to be able to max out every slot at once instead of only a few specific slots. Feels bad, but you know, still, still learning the details of the system to figure out how everything works. And if you just want your, your 418 crafted, you don't want to be that person. You're not yeah. investing that time. You just, I just want my 418, dude. Just give me yeah, my 418. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I don't want to, I want to put in the time or the effort to like level this up. I just want it. Right. And like, how do I yeah. easily just give someone money? And yeah. Uh, that yeah. That makes sense. It makes sense. So, um, but cool. Yeah. I think, yeah. Overall though, great, great expansion yeah. so far. Expansion. I will say being a crafter is way better than in previous expansions. It is way more, enter- it is, there's way more fun to be had doing crafting than in previous expansions, even if there are still a bunch of rough edges and there yeah. are, like the complete lack of crap of public crafting orders, which means that I can only really do crafting when people at guild need crafts. Kind of rough. 
Yeah. But yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, I mean, I'm Dragonflight's good. This is so much better of a of a launch than either of the past two expansions. Yeah. Just unbelievably better. Uh, so yeah, all those all those people I've read that are like, ah, just wait four weeks and people will be up in arms around everything. Yeah. They were wrong. Yeah, yeah that's true. Um, uh, but I think that is going to be it for our show yeah, today. Yeah. Uh, thank you all for watching and or listening. And if you enjoyed the show and you want to support it and the other work that we do over on the Pika Serenity, you can do that over at our Patreon at patreon.com slash Serenity. And, of course, come join the Discord. Uh, that is where you will get all the latest information, like this flaring cowl tech for Windwalkers. Yes. Uh, that popped up first in the Discord, and there's an explainer there and all that kind of stuff. Um, so if you want to keep up to date on that stuff, that is the best way to do it. Uh, but that's it for the show today. Thank you all for listening, and we will see you next week. Bye.